0: If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Ezekiel chapter 37, ministering on the theme this evening of, can these dry bones live? Can these dry bones live? So Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me. And brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews and muscles on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the muscles and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O people, I will open your graves And cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I'll put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it says the Lord. What a wonderful, powerful encounter that Ezekiel had with the Lord in this valley of dry bones. And uh, just want to say that whenever you read in this passage, spirit, you could ca- translate it breath. And whenever you read in this par- passage, breath, you could translate it Spirit because in the Hebrew this word is ruach and that can be translated breath or that can be translated spirit it's the same uh, or, or even wind it's the same in the New Testament where you have the word spirit it can also be translated breath or wind and so here we have a picture now What is going on? Why is this valley a valley of dry bones? Well, we saw near the end that this valley of dry bones represents the state of God's people. And in this valley of dry bones that Ezekiel was taken to in the spirit, these bones are the bones of warriors that lost the battle. We see that when God gives uh, muscles and body and flesh and eventually the spirit or breath enters them, they're a great army. So this is a picture of a battlefield. Where else would you find so many bones? A picture of a battlefield and a picture of those that have been slain by the enemy in battle. Uh, The enemy has defeated them. They, they're dead, but they're not just dead, they're real dead dead. They're not just dead a few hours, but they're dead, all their flesh has gone. And, and they're not just bones lying there, but those bones have been there so long that they're dry bones. There's not a drop of life in this valley. There's not a drop of life in these bones, they are dried out through many, many years of the roasting sun. This is the picture that we have. What a state that these people find themselves in, dead, void of moisture that brings life. They are disarrayed. They're not even down in the valley in skeleton form, but all the bones are disjointed and, and one skeleton's mixed up with another skeleton. I mean, it really is a valley of bones. It is a dog's delight. They could feast on those bones all that they liked. It's Skeleton Valley. Wow, what a picture of God's people. What happened to God's people that they could get into a place of such dryness and deadness? Surely it seems that all is uh, over for them. Well, the proper problem with this people is that that generation had turned from the Lord and His ways and followed foreign gods, and they believed that they could make life work. Make the nation of Israel work without the help of God. They looked to the help of other nations and uh, other nations came and God said, why are you going to these other nations when you should come to me? They ended up being exiled, as you might know, in Babylonian captivity. The temple was destroyed. The walls was pulled down. What a deterioration what, what a what a terrible battle scene. God's people, it seemed, totally destroyed, dead, disarrayed, lifeless. And so when God says to Ezekiel, "Can these dry bones live? Ezekiel knew God well enough not to say what he thought from a human perspective, which is, of course, No, but Ezekiel had been around God long enough to know he'd had enough charismatic experiences with God that if you're not sure, then uh, uh, ask God to answer his own questions. So he turned to him and said, "Ah, Lord God, you know. You know, it's amazing how powerful God is when it comes to restoration and bringing life where there is death. Never underestimate the resurrection power of Almighty God. When you go to Romans chapter 4, you have a picture of Abraham and Abraham's faith. And the type of God that Abraham believed in is summarised in Romans chapter 4. If you were to go to Abraham and say to Abraham after his long life and his his long journey with God, and if you were to say to him, what is your God like, Abraham? I mean, I know he's many things, but if you could sum up the Lord, your God, in in two things, what would you say? Well, you see that in Romans 4. It says, Abraham believed God, who called those things that were not as though they were. That's the first thing. And secondly, that gave life to the dead. To call those things that were not as though they were. Remember how dead and barren both Abraham and Sarah were? were? And God said, you're going to have a child And Abraham and Sarah were saying, "What? we're both dead to having children. Of course, they physically were. And so they had a journey of faith before they understood, and they made their mistakes. But before they understood that God can give life to a dead womb, that God can give life to the dead. And, And he believed that. He even believed that so much as he matured in faith. And it took him a while to mature. But that time when God said to Abraham... Take your son, take your son Isaac, the son I promised you, in whom will be your line. Take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him. And by that time, Abraham knew God was the God that gave life where there was no life. And so he said to himself, reasoned to himself, Hebrews tells us in the Hall of Fame. He reasoned to himself and said, wait a second. And God can bring, uh, give life to the dead. So even if I sacrifice Isaac, God will just have to raise him from the dead. Because God told me that Isaac was going to have the children. And so I know that God will have to raise him from the dead if I sacrifice him. That was the faith of Abraham. He knew that God was many things. But one thing Abraham knew was that God was the God that brings life into dead circumstances. He also knew that God called those things that weren't as though they were. Do you remember when God changed his name? Don't call yourself Abraham anymore. Call yourself Abraham. Abraham, father of many nations. How they must have laughed down at the sports centre or wherever he went for his recreation. Abraham comes in. I've got a new name, everybody. God's gave it to me. What's your name? Father of many nations. Nations. Oh, they must have laughed. They must have laughed. But you don't have any children. You don't. And for years he didn't have any children, even when God promised it, for years. But he was called the father of many nations. It's interesting that in this passage in Ezekiel soon, we're going to have a prophecy to dead bones. There's going to be a major restoration, resurrection anointing that's going to hit that dead skeleton valley. The God who calls those things that are not as though they were. As we go into 2017, may we together know the God of Abraham... The God of Jacob and the God of Isaac. Who is He? He's many things, but two things are absolutely important for us to grasp, especially as we are excited about going into our vision week. That we're going to call those things that are not as though they were by the power of the Holy Spirit in intercession. That we're going to go ahead of ourselves in the Spirit, in prayer and Holy Spirit led prophecy, and we're going to call. All the vision forth uh, as though it was, even before it is manifest. Isn't that what we do every time we pray the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. How? As it already is. In heaven, we're asking for something that already is in the heavenlies to manifest itself in the earth where we can see it in the physical realm. That's what Abraham learned to do, that's what God does. He births it first in the spirit. And then he reveals it to his prophets, his people. And then we pray and begin to birth what is there in the spirit, in the heavenlies, if I can put it that way, into our experience. Don't just live day, uh, day by day, hoping that things are just going to pan out. Somehow we need to connect with the vision of God for our lives, the vision of God for our house, the vision of God for our nation, we need to connect with it because it's a vision. A vision is something in the spirit that we see before we experience. See before we experience. And it's real sight. We have physical sight, but do you know you have a second sight? Paul says we live by faith and Not by sight. What does he mean? He means that faith is sight. In other words, we see things in the word of God that we've yet to experience. We see things through the prophetic unction that we've yet to come in, that we've yet to do. We see these things by the spirit and the word of the Lord. And we see them. And we, 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 we look and we say in our physical eyes, well, I don't see it yet. But with our spiritual eyes, we begin to see what God has promised and what God is going to do. That sight, that spiritual sight is faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11. The evidence of things not seen. How can you have evidence if you can't see it? You can't see it with the physical eye, but you can see it with the eyes of faith in the Word of God or as the Spirit has revealed it to us. As we enter into this week of vision 2020, we believe, we know that God has shown us a vision for our lives personally. This, this vision is about human beings and individuals maturing mobilizing, multiplying, individuals. This vision is for the house, us together inheriting, not alone by ourselves, but together moving forward, growing as individuals and therefore growing together as a ministry. A vision that we've seen. And a pathway that will be described by our senior minister this week, the pathway that will lead us by faith and action to bring this vision to come to pass. Faith is sight. And so here in this valley of bones, we see a terrible situation. Do you know that every Christian, every person that has become a Christian, do you know they, they have experienced new life? We were all spiritually in the valley of skeletons, in the valley of bones, in the valley of death. We were all, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, that all of us were dead in our sins and transgressions. Not just dead, dead and buried in our sins and transgressions and the only person that had any power over our lives well not even ourselves it was Satan the prince of the power of the air playing with the living dead they might be alive naturally speaking but they were dead spiritually speaking and with your dead spiritually speaking even though you may be alive naturally today when your natural life ends Your spiritual life has already ended. You have no connection with God, but that can change tonight. We were all dead in our sins and transgressions, but God sent his Holy Spirit on us and began a great work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When the Holy Spirit began his work in your life of salvation and resurrection, you didn't even know he was operating. The Holy Spirit was sent specifically by the Father and the Son to convict us of sin and righteousness and the judgment of the enemy. The Holy Spirit is the one who changed your no into yes when it came to the Lord. It was the Holy Spirit that worked in your circumstances and in your heart and in your mind. Sometimes you resisted, but God the Holy Spirit had his finger on you for such a time as this and brought you through and you were born again. Jesus said in order to see the things of the kingdom, you must be born again. And when you are born again, you begin... To see things differently. The mist of death clears. The the, the closed eyes of dead souls are opened. And you begin to see the word of God clearer and clearer as you mature. And you begin to understand. Because faith has arisen. You're born again. And you are now becoming and learning who you really are. So we've all been in that place of the skeletons. And it was just as much a miracle that you came to Christ as what we're about to hear happened in Ezekiel. Can these bones live? Sometimes when we think about people that we know that haven't yet come to the Lord. Can this person live spiritually? Will this person come to the Lord? And sometimes we find it hard to believe. Sometimes we've waited and hoped and witnessed and we still haven't seen any signs of spiritual life in that person. On the contrary, maybe an increase in spiritual death resistance to the gospel. And then sometimes we can say to ourselves, well, can these dry bones live? Nobody's too hard for the Lord to save. And what we're believing is for God to bring an increased outpouring of His Holy Spirit on us and through us, that God will begin, or sorry, not begin, but God will increase His vivification of the dead bones of Britain and Europe and start with our families and friends. God can do it. He did it to you, that was a jolly miracle. He did it to me, that was a jolly miracle. If he can do it to you, he can do it to anybody. No one is too hard for the Lord. But don't trust, you can't save anyone. You can be the vessel through which the gospel and the Holy Spirit moves. But the Holy Spirit He can stop somebody in their traps. If he can can take the Apostle Paul, one moment persecuting, next moment fallen off his horse, blind physically, but his eyes spiritually wide open for the first time. There is hope in the valley of the skeletons. And then God begins a work. And this uh, uh, Ezekiel prophesies to three groups. To begin with, he prophesies to the bones. Then he prophesies to the spirit, to the wind, to the breath. He prophesies to it and finally he prophesies to, to the people. This first stage we see in him speaking to the bones. And he begins to prophesy, he begins to speak, he begins to declare in the realm of the Holy Spirit. He prophesies. What is prophecy? It's word containers filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what true prophecy is. To the Hebrews in the Old Testament, words were not just information. This is very important. You know, in the Western mindset, we often sort of say things like, well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. As if words don't carry power. That is one of the most ridiculous, unbiblical statements that you could make. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Have you ever heard of the curses and the blessings? But when you speak the word of God, by the unction and ability of the Holy Spirit then as you prophesy, your words are containers that are filled with Holy Spirit power. And those words, to the Hebrews, these words had life if God was in them. I mean, it's like they left you. you ever seen those cartoon strips? And, uh, and you read them, they all have bubbles coming out of their mouths, and you, you see the words in a bubble. You can actually see in the picture the person speaking. Can you imagine if that was like, if, if we all started speaking in bubbles? Imagine if you could see me, but you could also see the words just coming out of my mouth in concrete form. That's the sort of, of view that the Hebrews had about the word of God. "Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock," God says. Is not my word like fire? Will not my word uh, leave, will, my, will not my word? My word will not return to me until it has accomplished all the things that I have sent it to do. It's like the word is a messenger. The word is out there at work. Whenever there's genuine prophecy, genuine spoken scripture under the unction of the Holy Spirit, the word has been released And it's like those words are traveling, 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 working in history, working in circumstance, working, 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 working to bring about the end that they've been spoken for. That's how Jesus was incarnate, by prophetic unction. The prophets spoke. The virgin shall be, and shall conceive with child. And that word went out of the prophet's mouth, filled with the power of God, and it worked in human history, and it worked in human circumstance, and it worked year after year, hundreds of years later. That word was still working, 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 until the child was born. It was like the word then just disappeared, because it had come to fulfilment. That's how God's word works. That's how, God, that's how praying works. Some of our prayers will outlive us. You know, we talk about the legacy we want to leave on the earth. I tell you, the greatest legacy you can leave on the earth is prayer. Because your prayer will outlive you. When you're praying in the Holy Spirit about certain things, some of those things, God willing, you will see and experience your life. But some of those things you won't experience, but the next generation will experience. How many of you know we have experienced so much in our lives of God that has been prayed by former generations of this house? Former generations of this house, praying, praying, they never received what they saw, but we received many of the things they prayed through. The greatest thing you can hand on to the next generation is your prayers, because every prayer prayed with faith and under the anointing of God never dies. It stands before the throne of mercy and it speaks, speaks, speaks until the time allotted come to pass. I hope you're excited today about what God has got in store for you and us together. About the vision of God that has come from the heavenly realm to us in this week. And how everything that God wants to do in us individually and corporately is interconnected. We are a body. These were bodies. And then, as he prophesied to the bones, structure came into those bodies. Bones began to move and find their right body and their right section. It was a great move of preparation, a great move of interconnection, order and assembly. How many of you know that's exactly what the Lord has been doing in your life my life, and the body of this church, and the wider body in Britain and Europe. I even believe that God has been doing a work of connection, order, and assembly. What a wonderful work. Has anybody felt God has been working on their lives in the last 12 months in a powerful way? Whether you've been on the clouds or or down in the depths, God has been ordering. Some of the bad things that have happened to you were in the hand of God turned to bring correction, order and correct assembly of character, understanding of God's word and endurance and tenacity. Some of the bad stuff is going to be some of the good stuff in the future. God has been at work in your life and is at work and the connecting and the connecting of of you as a as a powerful part of the body of the of Christ has only just begun but wider God has also been correcting and connecting and assembling in the house of the Lord over the last few years and giving us a vision giving us understanding showing us our mistakes trial and error learning God has been at work nothing is wasted when it comes to the the Lord's work in our lives we may waste time we may we may go but God never wastes anything God is totally on top of everything all of the time nobody can thwart his ultimate purposes for our lives and our church it's time to get with the program it's time to spread your wings and feel the power of the Holy Spirit take you into the orbit where you belong so we see this wonderful, uh, this clicking of the bones together. And then we see flesh coming to these, these muscles and the whole rebuilding of these bodies. What a wonderful sight that must have been. The connecting, the assembling, the infleshing, the sinews, uh, everything there, the hair, the face, all wonderful. But in the end, without the Holy Spirit, the breath, what was that? It was just a pile of corpses. It had gone from a pile of dried bones to a pile of corpses. Everything was there. Everything that a body needed was there. Arms, legs, flesh, organs. Everything was there in every single body. Yet it was still totally as ineffective as it was when it was purely dry bones. Why? Because the spirit of the living God had yet to breathe into the body. As God is at work, I I do believe, even though I can't see it all the time, I do believe, not just in your life and in the life and body of this church, I do believe that in Europe, which is like a valley of dry bones in many ways with notable exceptions, that God is clicking together things, I do believe that, I pray that, I do believe it, that God is clicking things together, that God is assembling, that God is working, that God is raising up people for such an hour, that God is releasing into the body of Christ, the five-fold ministry, apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists, I believe they're being called for such a time as this, who give structure to the body and, and, and bones to the body and flesh to the body, I believe that God is working Very much, not always, but very much behind the scenes. And these things are taking place in the bones of the church that is in Europe today, with notable exceptions. Connection, preparation, flesh. But then finally, well not finally, but then he is told to prophesy to the Spirit. Wow. The breath of the Spirit. Imagine prophesying to the Holy Spirit. That blew my mind. I thought, if I prophesy to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have to hear from the Holy Spirit before I do that. I'm not going to start telling the Holy Spirit what to do because the Holy Spirit is known. For the Spirit blows where it wills. That's what he says. And so is one who's born of the Spirit. In other words, we're to blow wherever the Holy Spirit blows. The Holy Spirit Blows where he wills. I love that. You can't see him, you can't understand him, but you can, when he blows, feel his effects. He's just like the wind. Remember, the spirit in the New Testament can be translated wind or spirit. The wind blows where it will. Have you ever been there on a windy day or been there on a hot, hot day and suddenly a beautiful breeze comes in from the sea and you, you can't see it, but you can feel it? That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is like. And what we need more than anything in 2017 is for the breath of God, the Spirit of God to come and to infuse everything about us and everything that we do to totally soak like a sponge soaked our dreams our aspirations our vision and our work in the vineyard of the Lord so he prophesies to the spirit and by the spirit he speaks to the spirit And then the spirit comes and all of a sudden, that which only the God of Abraham can do, life comes into the dead places and they arise as a mighty army in order to bring God's kingdom. And then finally he prophesies to the people and this is where I'm going to close for ministry tonight. And they're in their graves. In verse 12 he says, prophesy to them. And say, my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out from your graves. I'll put my spirit in you and I'll open your graves and I'll bring you out from your graves. How wonderful. What a wonderful. You know, all of us, if I can use this analogy, if you don't mind me using this, all of us have graves that we need to come out of. I'm not talking about you're not a Christian or anything like that and that you're spiritually dead. But there are aspects of our lives different for every individual. That though we're alive in Christ, those aspects of our character, those aspects of our circumstance, it's like they've been left in the grave. Do you have a habit or an addiction or an attitude that really is the old man, the old woman, not the new person? Of course we do. God is at work in our lives. But... These old things, these old aspects that are maybe life controlling or or addictions or even just the fact that we're too in love with what the world's got to bring and what the earth's got to bring. These things, it's like they claw us back in areas into the grave. And God wants to bring us out of our graves. He wants to bring some people out of the grave of discouragement. Others, out of the grave of failure. Come out of that grave. God will cause you to be a success in his kingdom. Others, the grave of distraction. Come out of that grave and live. Others, out of the grave of distress. So distressed, anxiety, fear, worry is like a grave holding you back from joining the great army of the end time Lord. Self-absorbed. In your own grave of self absorption, addiction, and bondage. God is at work upon us, but also God is at work within us.